I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. As usual, you all know the drill. I got some updates for you. First off, I ordered a t-shirt from the cut that says, I don't know what the cut is, which Gwyneth Paltrow famously said in 2018. I got a shirt that says that on it. I'm very excited to wear it. Maybe do like a legit photo shoot with it just hype had to share that with you guys I also have a question to pose to you I other than the United States the second country who listens to my podcast the most is Austria so shout out to my Austrian listeners can you tell me how you found this podcast and what it is that brought you to it I'm so fascinated because I think that's so cool that I have Austrians listening to my podcast uh on another note Weinstein, he's probably going to jail. I think he has a minimum five years. As Erin Carmen wrote for The Cut on Monday, a New York jury did something astonishing. It voted to convict Harvey Weinstein of two counts of rape and sexual assault. The Weinstein's predations have become synonymous with the Me Too movement. The case was counterintuitively challenging. Over 100 women accused him, but he stood trial for assaulting only two, both of whom had maintained friendly contact with him after the fact. So that is some good news for this week. On a lighter note, there was an amazing article in the New York Times today from a woman named Lindsay Krauss, who used to date Lady Gaga's current boyfriend. Now, Lindsay is very accomplished in her own right. She writes for the New York Times. She does the opinion columns. And <laughs> Lady Gaga's current boyfriend is, by all accounts, a non-famo dude, a normie, as I like to call them. And we've talked in the past on here about how this is very in, this is very hot with celebs right now to date normies, even though they're usually rich normies. But, you know, we'll let that slide. So she talks about how weird it was all of a sudden to wake up after the Super Bowl weekend and see her ex, who she dated for seven years throughout college and afterwards with Lady Gaga. And I love the ending of this article. She wrote, Recently, someone sent me a photo of my fiance and me dancing at a wedding, and I posted it on Instagram. I saw Lady Gaga's boyfriend in the views, and I realized we're actually all the same, strangers smiling on a screen. Anyways, I just thought that was a fun tidbit, kind of a fun read if you want to go check it out on the New York Times. The meaty part of today's podcast is going to be a discussion of Open Book, which is Jessica Simpson's memoir, if you will. Uh, Most articles that have discussed this book have talked about her relationship with John Mayer, her alcohol addiction and recovery, her marriage and divorce with Nick Lachey, but You know I want to get more niche than that. I want to share the little nitty-gritty parts that really spoke to me and that I personally found entertaining. But before we get into that, this past weekend I made Japanese milk bread, which is basically just a sweet, fortified, fluffy, delicious bread. I really get into my hobbies when I feel like I have nothing to do and my sister has a boyfriend that she spends time with, so I just make bread instead. And I posted the journey of making it along with jessica simpson music on my instagram stories and i said how i was reading her book and how i thought it was everything and lo and behold y'all jessica simpson viewed my story now i tag celebrities in my stories a lot and even the ones who are z-list rarely view my stories so i was pretty shook and i screenshot it and i sent it to my friends 
But I felt bad that all she saw was a picture of my Japanese milk bread. But guys, it was delicious. It's also referred to as shakupan. You know I'm trying to manifest my trip to Tokyo. Highly recommend making it. I actually got the recipe from the New York Times, so maybe not the most authentic recipe, but it was very good. Okay, on to the actual book. First of all, I have to talk about how much faith plays a role in her life and how much that is woven in to her book there's a lot of talk about God and working through him and how she felt like it was her destiny and her kind of God ordained right to entertain and sing to people and it's always interesting for me to read a book from that perspective because that's so far off from my belief process like I do think I'm a spiritual person I obviously believe in a lot of humbo jumbo weirdo shit but you know, this kind of devout faith is something that is hard for me to understand. So I do like reading about it just to give kind of insight into how people think who view the world that way. Uh, So I definitely, you know, that's something to keep in mind if you do read this book. It is heavy on that. And if that's going to bother you, then you might not like it. But I thought it was really good. I was very entertained. I ate it up. I, I was in Austin, actually, when it became available. And I got so excited. And I, I'm, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I don't know what else there is to say. So here we go. We're going to finally get to the part where I'm sharing some of my favorite little parts. And they're just little things that I screenshot because I felt like there were things that maybe didn't get talked about in mainstream media. So I know she's obviously writing this book herself, so it's inherently biased because of that. But I think Jessica's sweetness really comes through. And she talks about this tradition that I found so adorable where she loves throwing lavish parties and that was kind of another big theme throughout that she would throw big parties at her house. She loved throwing birthday parties for her friends. But every time she would collect the candles that they blew out and wished on it each birthday and she puts them in a bag and she saved them so their wishes wouldn't get thrown away and she would pray over their wishes. And I, I'm just superstitious and sentimental. So obviously this really spoke to me. Uh, Another story is when she kisses Justin Timberlake, which I know they have talked about in the media, but I wanted to read to you exactly what she wrote because it cracked me up. And this was obviously after her divorce from Nick Lachey and her and JT knew each other from when she auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club. And famously, he made it along with uh, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Ryan Gosling, so many other people who went to become famous. And so they kiss and JT says... I got to call Gosling. We made a bet at the casting camp. Who was going to kiss you first? I win. And she says, well, then you tell Ryan you won big because the odds were definitely in his favor because she talks about how she had a crush on Ryan Gosling. And I talked about the other week how she was saying she was in talks to be in the notebook. So I thought that was really funny and just like good for her for clapping back at Justin like that. She also talks about how she was pretty ruthlessly bullied in high school, and this story is so effed up. So to give sort of a short version of it, she was abused by a a slightly older girl who was a family friend's child when she was young. And she, later on when she's in high school, she tells her best friend this story about how she was sexually abused when she was younger. And she tells the girl that she's telling her in secret. And obviously, it's not something she wants shared with other people. Well, one day, this girl who was previously Jessica's best friend gets mad that a boy likes Jessica instead of her and decides that she is then going to tell the whole school about Jessica's abuse story, but frame it as Jessica being a lesbian. 
And then the cheerleaders, who Jessica was also a cheerleader, would constantly make fun of her for this, relentlessly bullied her about this. And obviously there's nothing wrong with being a lesbian, and that's not what Jessica was taking issue with. It was just the fact that she took this story of abuse and twisted it this way. So super effed up. So Jessica writes, I actually know where those girls went in life. One of them became a Hooters waitress and then went on to be a preacher's wife. I don't point that out to be petty. I love a Hooters girl. I just really love the idea that life gave her options and she tried out both. I also really hope she met her husband at Hooters. So I just love when she gets a little bit petty. We'll talk about another time where she does that in a second. And this story I also thought was so adorable. So right when she moved to LA, her whole family moved with her. She took her sister to a nail salon for a girl's day. And on the pic, what, I'm sorry, on the wall was a signed picture of Fergie who, from Black Eyed Peas. But back in the day, at the time, she was known as Stacey Ferguson from Girls Interrupted. So Jessica asked the nail tech if she came to this, the nail tech place. And the tech said, oh, sure, many times. I was just... At which point, Jessica turns to her sister, Ashley, and says, we've made it. And like, I just thought that was such a cute moment that that's kind of how she gauged her level of success, because I feel like I'd literally be doing the same thing. Like, oh, my God, I'm eating at this place. I'm at the same place this person went to. I really made it. Next story. Um, Another sweet one. Jessica was hospitalized for an issue with her fallopian tube, which as an aside, I thought this was really crazy that basically one of her fallopian tubes straight up doesn't work. And she claims that the time she got pregnant, it was on months when the egg would have had to travel from one fallopian tube to the other to implant. And I just thought that was freaking crazy. But anyways, so when she was having this whole initial problem with her fallopian tube, uh, Celine Dion herself called Jessica and told her how much she liked the song, I Want to Love You Forever. And she even started singing it and just said, you just made my life. And Celine said, Jess, I'm so excited for you. You have so much ahead of you. And I want you to remember one thing I have learned. The best competition is always our own selves. And that stuck with Jessica. And she kind of talks about that later on in the book the impact that had on her but again I just thought that was a fun story can I also take this moment to do a little Jessica Simpson impression <clears throat> I would like to do with you which I've been listening to on repeat so here here we go oh my gosh I'm totally blanking on how it goes but <laughs> nothing but a t-shirt on I never felt so beautiful baby as I do now you just gotta breathe a lot I think that's the key <laughs> do a Jessica Simpson impression obviously she's a much better singer than me but I highly recommend like trying out an impression of her it's really fun all right moving on another starky moment she was talking about how her team basically made her get media training because she'd say starky stuff when she was out doing interviews and I don't know if she ever actually said this part but she wrote about things like what she would say and she writes maybe Christina didn't need to have her security clear an entire hallway of staff and talent just so she could walk through it alone so I get the feeling Jessica was not a Christina fan and Christina was actually the person who went right before her in her Mickey Mouse audition and made her kind of choke up because obviously Christina has pipes so hearing that like right before you have to go on I can see how that would be intimidating the other thing I have to say about this book as a general note is I think maybe Jessica really did write a lot of this because it's not super polished. It's the language is really clunky at times. I mean, it, it's 
maybe clunky is the wrong word. It's just not super polished. It sounds probably what it would sound like if I tried to write a book. Um, so even though there is like a ghost writer, or I guess it's not a ghost writer because his name is written, there is a name of a man in the front of the book like written with, but I don't know. I'm kind of thinking she maybe did write a lot of this book. Um, and this next story is a Vanderpump crossover, but she talks about how her current husband, who is Eric, he's a football player. He played or plays, I don't, I don't know if he still plays for the 49ers. And she talks a lot in the book about their relationship and it seems very sweet, but this part killed me because on their wedding day, he gifted her a music box that played Shania Twain's You're Still the One. And famously, this song was written by Shania and her ex-husband and they wrote the song together. But then years later, he cheated on Shania with her best friend. And the Vanderpump crossover here is that Britney and Jax chose this same ill-fated song as their wedding song. And I'm just like, do these people not know the history, the irony, the bad juju? I don't know. It wouldn't be my choice for a wedding song, but you do you, boo-boos. You know that's my motto on this podcast. Then lastly, the little tidbit I wanted to share from you from Open Book, and then we will get on to our articles from The Cut, is that you know I love a vintage early aughts moment. I love a vintage early aughts purse. And she writes, I stuffed as much as I could in my spring 2003 Louis Vuitton Murakami bag. Before I had children or my dogs, that bag was my child. And looking back, I think Jessica holding that bag was a huge impact as to why I loved that print, why I died for that print. Uh, So yeah, again, an icon. And I hope you guys are still listening because like I said, we are finally getting into our cut articles for the week. The first one, by our girl, Baby Meatballs, a.k.a. Allison Davis, brunch with extra sausage, NSFW, which means not safe for work, guys. But I promise this podcast never gets that risque, so this is probably still safe for work. Uh, so I know when it's an Allison Davis article, I'm going to get the popcorn out, y'all, because you know it's going to be good. And this one was no exception. And it talks about her journey to go to basically a stripper, a male stripper brunch. So let's let's read some little tidbits. An hour before showtime, I found myself in the basement locker room of Sapphire Strip Club watching a group of dancers get ready. Some stood in front of a mirror checking themselves out, oiling themselves, fluffing their dicks in their boxer briefs, gelling their hair. Others were practicing their moves, body rolling and pantomiming cunnilingus with such ferocity they looked like anacondas trying to swallow whole gazelles in the wild. A few were wolfing down plates from a communal pan of congealed ziti. Okay, guys, maybe it's a little not safe for work, but... I don't know, it doesn't really sound that sexy when I'm saying it. So Allison chats with the strippers for a bit, kind of tries to get to know them, and then the show begins. Romeo, the MC, interrupts the steady stream of R&B hits to start the show with a call and response. Romeo says, can I get a hell yeah? And the ladies yell back, hell yeah! And then he says, can I get a fuck yeah? And the ladies yell, fuck yeah! And then Romeo says, can I get a, I want to see some fucking penis. And the ladies just don't respond to that one. (laughs) So she writes, I'm here with seven women. And while we all agree the apple mimosas are passable, there's a vast difference in our preference in men. 
We all like sex and are genuinely as curious to see if the show could be sexy as we were about the omelet station. But what turns us on is determined by a unique blend of criteria, like where we land on the Kinsey scale, how we felt about muscles, our individual intolerance for cheap cologne. Maybe one woman wants to see a Harry Styles lookalike slide out of his high-waisted pants. Um, hello, me. Or a makeout heavy duet based on a Call Me By Your Name cosplay. I'm driven wild by a scuzzy, sexy Lake of Stanfield type smoking and joint in bed next to me. Delicate fingers, lip biting. There's not mine. Curly hair, forearms, prolonged eye contact. Blah, 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 blah. She, she goes on. <laughs> um, and in this sea of chiseled bodies, I just wanted to find a man who resembled anything close to my actual fantasies. Why didn't anyone have a dad bod? Where was the man who looked like Joe Goldberg, the sociopathic bookseller from you? Where was the well-hung therapist who just let me talk about my problems? I can't even remember the last time I've been even remotely turned on by an ab. It felt so old-fashioned. Uh... <laughs> And y'all, I think I've landed on my next big business idea. And it's one where I stock a club full of men like this, the men she's describing, and I give girls the boyfriend experience. Because the problem with these male reviews is that they are designed by men and trying to give females the experience that men want. Because I'm sorry, what, what female wants an oiled up fireman with like a fireman little thong on, gyrating over her. Please write in if that is what you're going for. But I think for the majority of women, it is not. But can you imagine having a Harry Styles look like, you know, having a nice like coffee with you, telling you how great you are without any of the the problems of like online dating where you're like, oh, he he's insane. He lives in his mom's basement and eats Cheerios for every meal. So you know, just, just putting it out there. And I've told you guys before that I write my commentary and my notes for my podcast as I'm going through the article. So I was so proud of myself because as I wrote this note and as I finished the article, I, I scrolled down and I look at the comments and there was one that said, if this writer opened a strip, in quotation marks, club where Lake is Stanfield and Harry Styles lookalikes sat around smoking cigarettes and pretending to care about what I had to say, I would be first in line. Take my money. Take all my money. And someone responded seriously. Now, I think the one issue with this is that it might be hard to find Lake of Stanfield and Harry Styles lookalikes because they are both perfect specimens. So that might be the one hard thing to pitch, you know, um, incredibly sensitive, funny, talented men that I want them to come to my club called the boyfriend experience. But we're just going to pretend that's not an issue right now. Um, and I also was going to do a live reading of you guys of the one time when a stripper who I was also an engineer, I think, texted me and told me he was a stripper in Panama. And it was just a wild text exchange that literally went nowhere but I was like wow like what if I had ended up with a stripper what would that what where would my life be now but like I said nothing ever happened but it was it was a very interesting exchange that I found by searching in my messages stripper moving on <laughs> oh wait before before we move on from my business idea do you think that West Palm would allow the permits for this? What, what do you think controls the permits on boyfriend experience? And I think it could have a really cute name, like 
something cheeky but comfortably sexual like the peach and eggplant I think would be really cute so hell no new business goodbye law this is what I'm bringing into 2020 all right back to Allison for her personal lap dance she chooses a man who goes by the name of Mr. Incredible and she chooses him because he'd remembered details from their pre-lap dance conversation and whispered them back to me you're a journalist, mommy, he purred into her neck while gently prying her legs apart, which is more than she can say for most of the men she finds on dating apps. See, this is what I'm saying. This is why we need the boyfriend experience, the eggplant and the peach, the peach and the eggplant. I think I like the peach and the eggplant better, cuter. <laughs> so as he's like going in and Jason Derulo's Talk Dirty to Me is playing, he says, I give you my word this won't go too far. And she writes, it only took one chorus before. It absolutely had. Relax, relax, Mr. Incredible instructs. One song ends, the next begins, and now Mr. Incredible is slapping my ass to the cop's theme song. He then tosses me to the ground and rhythmically pounds into me to the beat of the song's chorus. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when I come for you? The sheer force of the humps pushes me across the room with my head against the wall, thwacking the wood paneling over and over. I'm worried my neck will snap, I cry out, as is my friend who repeats the same thing. Don't snap her neck and reaches down to crush in my head from the steady thunk, thunk, thunk. Would I survive 10 more minutes? Guys, this literally sounds like torture to me. Like if I had to, you know, if I was like going on The Bachelor or something and uh, they asked me for embarrassing scenarios they could put me in that would literally make me want to die, this would be one of them. She then goes on to write, and I will just leave you with this, heterosexuality might be a curse. Bravo. On to our last article of the day since I took so long talking about Miss Jessica Simpson. And it is Did You Know About John C. Riley's Hot Son by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. So this is like where we talked about Florence Pugh's hot brother. And since we're already pretty thirsty this episode, and I feel like I, I need to take a shower. I'm like, is that what reading erotica is like? Is that what like if you were doing the audible version of erotica book? Like I feel uncomfortable. I, I try to like when I do this podcast think what would make my grandma not want to die on the spot? just to keep myself in check a little bit. You know, I'm not going to be the next call her daddy. I'm just not. So that one might have been pushing it a little too far for her. But lucky for me, I don't think any of my grandparents listen. But if you do, I hope you didn't cringe too hard. So does Sanjita just pitch stories about dudes she thinks are hot? I mean, she is truly living the dream. Every hot person Sanjita just gets to write about. So this one is about Leo Riley. He's 22 years old. He's the eldest son of John C. Riley of Stepbrothers fame. And she writes, not only does he look and dress like an otherworldly Gen C Freddie Mercury, he also seems extremely cool. And honestly, he does. And he really does look otherworldly. He seems to have two different colored eyes. And I don't understand how he could share half of his genes with John C. Riley. It's either making me think that John C. is not his biological dad or that maybe Woody Allen really is Ronan Farrow's dad because clearly strange shit like this can happen. So he makes music and on his Depop, he sells vintage jewelry and clothes. And I'm not lying. I went to his Depop. I was fully committed, ready to buy something. I love a Depop moment. I'm always searching it for vintage college sweatshirts. 
I never buy anything, but it's fun to peruse, y'all. So unfortunately, everything on his Depop is already sold out. Otherwise, you know this bitch would be buying something. His Insta is at buy, B-Y-E dot love Leo. And you have to look. It's very avant-garde. He does a lot of weird little short films. I don't know. I just think you need to look and we can talk about how we don't think he's John C. Riley's son. Like no shade to John C. Riley. I love him. I think he's a great actor. One of my favorite wines that I've talked about on here before is Sweet Berry Wine, which is from a skit that John C. Riley did back in the day. It's named after that. So, you know, no offense, Mr. Riley. I just don't understand how you birthed this person. Moving on to legit shit. Since we were talking about books this week, and since you might want something a little more substantive than open book or maybe a little palate cleanser afterwards, I wanted to talk to you guys about Aaron Morgenstern, who writes Night Circus and Starless Sea. Night Circus, I love. I'm about halfway through Starless Sea right now, and I love it too. I just think her writing is so engaging and beautiful and just like, oh, it's like textural almost. I don't even know how to describe it. It just like gives that magic sort of feeling. Like if I was a writer, I'd like to write like her. So that's all I've got for you guys this week. I hope you liked this week's episode. I would love it if you subscribed, gave me a five-star rating and a written review, and reached out to me on Instagram at Bailey Evan, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N, or at Kinda Cute Podcast, and I will see you guys next week. Bye!